Our topic today is uh, the way out. The way out. And we are reading our text from 1 Corinthians 10, 13. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It says, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So from here we are seeing that whatever comes our way, it's not something that no human being has ever gone through. But God assures us as his children, because of his faithfulness, that he will not allow anything that we cannot bear to come to us. And even with the same temptation, we should watch out for the way of escape. It's a single, it's an, you know, the article word D, the way, which means there's a particular way. There's the way of escape, the way of escape. Not aware of escape, but the way of escape. Uh, Young translation calls it uh, the outlet, the outlet. So God is the author and finisher of our life. You know, He already preplanned for our lives, and He knows that we are living in a world where there are challenges. So He knew things that would happen before they even started happening upon your life. So he wants us to trust him for the way out. And he's assured us that he's going to be with us all through it. We should focus on Christ, who is the author and the finisher of our faith, standing strong in his word. It is important that we understand that God is not the author of evil. You know, like we read from that scripture, I was blessed by the scripture that he read. So... He's not the author of evil. So it's important that we understand that and register that at the back of our heads so that whenever anything comes your way, you don't say, I wonder what God is teaching me with this. He doesn't teach his children with evil. Neither do we as earthly parents teach our children with evil. The Bible said in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, AMPC, he said, and this is the message, the message of promise, which we have heard from him. And now are reporting to you. God is what? Light. And there is no darkness in him at all. No, not in any way. Sickness represents darkness. Poverty represents darkness. You know, depression, confusion, name it. Those are you know, traces of darkness that manifest in people's lives. But God is not the author of it. That's what he's saying. In him is no darkness at all. He's saying, no, not in any way. Rather, he is the light. God is light. The Bible called him life and light. And John chapter 1 verse 5 says, and the light shines on in the darkness. For the darkness has never overpowered it. That's why you have to stand your ground when you know in whom you have believed. For darkness has never overpowered it. 
put it out or absorbed it or appropriated it and is unreceptive to it. You know, darkness can't handle light. The light that is radiating from your father. Amen? And the Bible told us in Isaiah 50 verse 10 that, you know, who is among you who reverently fears the Lord, who obeys the voice of his servant? Yet, who walks in darkness and deep trouble and has no shining splendor in his heart? What is this man supposed to do? He said, let him rely on, trust him, and be confident in the name of the Lord. And let him lean upon and be supported by his God because he's faithful. So who is that? that is a child of God, that has said yes to Jesus, and there is trouble, there are traces of darkness in your life, rely on your father, trust him. You will certainly come out of it. Don't move an inch. He's faithful. Faithful is his name. Remember that he is your dwelling place. He said, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will remain secure and rest in the shadow of the Almighty, whose power no enemy can withstand. Who is he? The one that has made Jesus the Lord over their lives. The one that has, is now a member of God's household. You now dwell in the household of the Father. You've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the Son of his light. And that is where you have your dwelling place. He said, you will remain secure and rest in the shadow of the Almighty. That says Psalm 91 verse 1. I was just quoting. He said in verse 15, sorry, verse 14. He said, because he has set his love on me, therefore I will save him. I will set him securely on high because he knows my name. He confidently trusts and relies on me, knowing I will never abandon him. No, never. He assured he will rescue him and honor him in verse 15 and will satisfy him with long life. Amen? But it's important that you that dwell in this secret place of the Most High that have met Jesus the Lord over your life, you have to be feeding there in, from the household. You now belong to the household of the father. So you have to be sure you're feeding from the food that the father has prepared for you in the family. Psalm 92 verse 13 says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. It's a guarantee. Those who are planted Having been planted there, when you said yes to Jesus, he says, you will flourish in the courts of our God, not outside of the courts of our God. And the word of God forms the boundary of the courts of our God, where you will remain, feed on, and you will flourish. And he also promised in verse 14, they shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. And the scripture cannot be broken. The word of God is true, yea and amen. Remember that like Jesus, the father himself is the one walking 
through you for the benefit of the kingdom. He's walking through you. That's why he said in Philippians chapter 2, they said, not in your own strength. It's never in your own strength that you're called to do anything in the household of God, in the, as a Christian, as a member of God's household. He said, not in your own strength, but he's the one who is energizing, infusing the inner strength. But you think of it. When you came to Christ, it means you died. Jesus automatically is now your life. Think of it. What can a corpse do? What can a dead man do? You just stay where you're put. Nothing else. And, you know, you know uh, uh, Philip, uh, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 15 said that we died. He said he died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised again. That's why he started from verse 14 to say, either way, Christ's love controls us. So the, we that are dead to this world, it is now Christ's love that controls or directs whatever you're doing. No longer you. Like, like think of a dead person. So remember, you died. And so now the life that you have is his. So that life should be lived for him who died for you and rose again. And because that life is being lived for him, he directs, he orders, he, he, he equips, and he flourishes. Amen? So that's why God came through Jesus to dwell in you so that he could radiate through you from inside out all the glories of the kingdom. Let's look at Colossians chapter 1 from verse 19. Verse 19 says, For God is in all his what? Fullness. Pleased to live in Christ. Note that point. God in his fullness lives in Christ. Then verse 22. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. And you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. So, in Christ, you are before the Father without a single fault. So, you are now in his presence. Verse 23. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. You know why you must continue to believe? Because sometimes you don't act like who you are on the inside. But we don't live outside in. We live inside out. We live by the new man. So in that your new man, you are blameless. Remember, it's in Christ. Verse 24, Paul says, I am glad when I suffer for you in my body, for I am participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people. For God, look at that message now, for which he is prepared to suffer anything so that we, the church, can get it. 
For God wanted them to know the riches and glory of Christ, that the riches and glory of Christ are in, in the, for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Christ does what? He lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. Remember where we started that he pleased God in all his fullness to dwell in Christ. And now where is Christ? In you. The day you met Jesus the Lord over your life, Jesus comes to live in you. And God the Father lives in Christ. So God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit lives in you. The child of God. And so if God be for you, living in you, who can be against you? There is nothing you cannot overcome. And that's why he declared you overcomer, more than conqueror, because he is conquering through you. He's radiating through you. He's living his life through you. So whatever challenge, he will get it crumbled. But you remember you're dead. You are no longer performing. It has to be him. Praise the Lord. That's why he said, and this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. What is that glory? Things glorious happen. Oh, praise the Lord. People are thanking God for you because the life of God is radiating through you in victory over sickness, in victory over poverty, in victory over confusion, in victory over whatever challenge that comes your way. It's a matter of time. That conqueror, conqueror that you are will manifest. It becomes a testimony to the glory of God the Father. Amen. In case you didn't get it, the Bible again repeated that in Colossians 2, verse 9 to 10, to let you know that you are not just who you think you are. You are not an ordinary person. You are a supernatural human being. Colossians 2, 9 to 10 says, For in him the whole fullness of deity, who is in him there? Jesus Christ. In him the whole fullness of deity, the Godhead, continues to dwell in bodily form, giving complete expression of what? The divine nature. The divine nature. And you are in who? In him. Made full and having come to fullness of life in who? In Christ. You two are filled with what? With the Godhead. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And rich what? Full spiritual maturity. Hallelujah. That's who you are, child of God. And because that's who you are, God is your father and he's a faithful shepherd. And because he's a faithful shepherd, the Bible said, you shall want nothing. Because he will feed, he will guide, he will shield you from whatever. And he said, you know, even when things you're down, he will restore your soul. He will restore your soul, according to Psalm 23, verse 3. And even if you're walking through the valley of the shadow of in the dead, he said, don't fear any evil. Remember, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit dwells in you. God in all his power indwells you. So you don't have any reason to be afraid. Amen? And even when you're faced with oppositions, with challenges, he said in verse 5, he prepared a table before you in the presence of who? Your enemies. He's not waiting for them because he knows, he knows they, they are not a big deal. They are a piece of cake. They will all crumble. You stand your ground knowing who is in you, knowing in whom you have believed, 
And it's a matter of time. You will see that victory. And that's why he said in verse 6, surely, as sure as today is Sunday, the 12th of November, 2023, he said, his goodness, mercy, and unfailing love shall follow me. How many times? All the days. So no matter what you are facing, remember that his goodness and his mercies are all over you. And they are not about to check out until Jesus comes you, calls you home or until you are ready to go home to be with him. Amen? As his child, he has prepared adequately everything that you will ever need for life and godliness. As a child of God, as a child of the kingdom, all that you need to make a huge success of this Christian life and when I talk about Christian life, I don't mean just uh, maybe your relationship with God. I'm talking about even pertaining to things to wear, things to eat, things to your, uh, where to put your head. Everything about it. He said in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. How? How does it come? Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. That's how it comes. And when you, you have food, you're healthy, and you're enjoying your victories, you have peace, you have joy, because you have him who is a good father, who is also your source, no matter what it is that are facing you in life. And he said in Ephesians 1 verse 3, he said, you are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And you say spiritual blessings, but I need food, I need this. Yes, it is the spiritual that controls the natural. When God saw darkness, what did he say? Light be. When he needed companion, he said, let us make man in our own image. And he came into existence. So, you just have to know that you are adequately armed to excel in this life as a child of God. But it's important that you cue into his will for your life. For God has his plans and purposes for every one of his children. He said that in Jeremiah 29 verse 11, that he has a plan for you. He didn't just make you and drop you. It's not a plan for disaster. It's a plan for good, to give you peace, to give you a future and a hope. So, it's important that you seek his will and pursue his will in this your life. Jesus knew his purpose. He said that he came to do the will of God. That's what he said in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 7. And John looked at, John called him and said, he is the lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. That's the purpose for which he came. He knew his purpose, amen? He came to destroy the works of Satan. That's what the Bible said about him in 1 John 3 verse 8. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. 
That's what the Bible said about him in Luke chapter 19, verse 10. So it is not a good thing for a Christian to live without knowing the will or the plan of God or understanding it even when they know it or even disregarding the will of God for their lives because that's where we run into problems. God starts and God finishes. He's the author and finisher of our faith. Paul made it a prayer point for the church. Let's look at Colossians chapter 1, 3 to 12. Colossians 1, 3 to 12. He said in verse 9, For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, we are now Christians, you are now believers, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. It's a key thing that Paul made it a prayer point. You know, because when you cure into his will, then you begin to walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. It is important that we that are born again, children of God, should seek to know the will of God for our lives. For when you begin to pursue his will, you will be able to find whatever is needed for you to fulfill that will. So you seek his will, you find his will, you understand his will, you go after it. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5 verse 17 says, let's read it together. Therefore, do not be vague and thoughtless and foolish, but understanding and firmly grasping what the will of the Lord is. It's our responsibility. And you get that by searching the scriptures. You get that by studying the word of God because the word of God is the map that helps you to navigate and to live your Christian life fulfilling God's will for your life. Amen? You can imagine when I go to work and then I just go there and I do my business. How do you think they're going to think, of, what, what do you think they're going to, I mean, how do you think they're going to handle me? I consented to do the work and then when I do it from here to there, then they, are go, they agree to pay me a certain amount of money. But if I go there and I begin to do my own thing, you know, it's not going to work. So in the same manner, when we said yes to Jesus, it means we died. The Bible said Colossians chapter 3, verse 3, Christ is now your life, in verse 4. Your life is hid with Christ in verse 3. So you died. So it's only the life, the person that owns the life in you that will not live his life through you. And it is a huge success when you allow him to, read, to lead it all through. So the main business of every child of God is to fulfill God's will for your life. Whoever you are, you are called to fulfill God's will for your life. And today, you have a lot of uh, graveyards that are full of people who even didn't find who, the will of God for their lives, nor even gotten into the kingdom, nor even those who have gotten into the kingdom who have not you know, started or even finished the will of God for their lives. But that will not be our case because God is bringing this truth for us for when you begin to pursue his will, then you will find the resources that is needed, which has already been prepared from the foundations of the earth, and you will fulfill your destiny in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus fulfilled his own destiny, and Paul also did. Paul said, I have fought the good fight. 
I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. In 2 Timothy 4, 7, he kept the faith. He did his work within the confines of the faith, the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the righteousness that is a gift. He lived totally for Jesus and fulfilled his own race. And God promised to order our footsteps so that we shall fulfill our own race. Psalm 37, 23 says, the steps of a good man are directed and established by the Lord. When he delights in his way and he abuses himself, let's read that, he abuses himself with his every step. You know what that means? God abuses himself with your every step when you allow him to direct your steps. He's so busy making sure you get it right. If you're moving this direction and it's the wrong direction, there's a cost correction. Say, honey, it's this way. You begin to hear a voice that is telling you this way. You read the word of God, say, oh my goodness, I've been going this route. Oh, it's supposed to be this way. He busies himself with his every step. Why? Because he delights in your ways. When you allow him to direct your steps as his children, he said in Proverbs 3 verse 6, in all your ways, not in some your way, in some of your ways, in all your ways, no matter how minute it is, in all your ways, acknowledge and recognize him. Do things his way. And he promised he will make your path straight and smooth, removing obstacles that block your way. So obstacles show up when you are not following his will, when you're doing it your own way. So you check the obstacles in your life. There's a way out. The way out is there. But check the obstacles, whether they are things that came as a result of you doing things your own way and not the way of the master. We are called to simply yield to him. Jeremiah 10, 23 says, Oh Lord, I know the way of a man is not in, in, in himself. It is not a man who walks to direct his own steps. I love this scripture and it's like I keep it in view to remind myself on a daily basis. Look, you don't lead yourself. There's someone there that leads you and he lives in me. That's why he desires to change the way we think so that we will think the way he thinks and walk the way he walks so that we will walk within his perfect will. He said in Romans 12, 2, he said, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing words, the way you think. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So God wants to change because he knows that's the problem. So that he will change the way you think. Then what will happen? You will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. We want things good, pleasing, and perfect to happen, but it comes as you allow God to change the way you think so that you fit into his, his will for your life. He's the one who teaches you the way to prosper as you give attention to his word. Isaiah 48, verse 17 and 18 says, this is what the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel says, I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, benefit, who leads you in the way that you should go? 
How many times have we read him telling us, I have to be the one leading you to make a huge success in this life? Some people think being a billionaire, a millionaire, is what makes you a success. Well, that's in the eyes of the world. But in the eyes of God, you are a failure. You have to do things God's way. Your life is for a purpose, to live and do the will of the Father. Then he said in verse 14, in verse 18, Oh, that you had paid attention to my commandments. Then your peace and prosperity would have been like a flowing river. And your righteousness, the holiness and purity of the nation, like the abundant waves of the sea. Oh, that's God lamenting here. But God will not lament over any of us again in Jesus' name. Amen. So we don't have to get ourselves into trouble by doing things our own way, like Saul did when God appointed him a king. At a point, he began to do things his own way. And the Bible said in 1 Samuel 13, 14, he said, but now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out David, a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be the prince and ruler over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded. That's, you are not walking in line with my will. Once God said it, the anointing to be a king left him. He kept on performing, but it was obvious. The anointing to be a king is no longer there. How it could happen to some believers, your believer, but then your life is not really bearing the fruit because you are on your own, though you are a child of God. That's a sorry state to be in. But that will not be our Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. We don't want to be a, a figurehead that answers a believer. Look at Acts chapter 13, verse 21 to 25. God said, then they asked for a king, and God gave them Saul, Saul, son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. And when he had deposed him, he deposed him because he didn't do his will. He raised up David to, the, to be their king. Of him, he bore witness and said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will and carry out my program fully. That's all God wants from us, just to carry out his will. And you will be so good to go. You will be so good to go. Whatever comes your way, you are sure. You can bet on it. It's a matter of time. That one will also fizzle out. You want to be who he called you to be and not who he didn't call you to be. They wanted Jesus to become a king, physical king, you know, but he knew why he came because he knew his purpose. They wanted, they, want, they were thinking that, you know, John the Baptist was Jesus, the coming Messiah. He made it clear to them, if you look at that in verse 25, he said, lower part of verse 25, he said, I am not he, the Christ, no. But know that after me, one is coming, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to untie. You remain where you are called. You stick with his will. You don't want to be like the Joneses. You don't want to be like A or B. There's no competition in the family of God. A finger is finger, toe is toe. They are totally different, but they all have their own different functions. Your eyes is your eye. Your mouth is your mouth. They all have their different functions. In the same manner, in the body, we all have our different functions. So you just stay uncomfortable where you are called, doing the role that the Father has called you to, to, to perform. For, you know, uh, Proverbs uh, 3, 5 to 7 says, For in him, sorry, um, Acts, sorry, 
Acts chapter 17, 28, say, for in him we live and move and exist. It's only in him. You live and move and exist. It should be done in the head, in the heart, in the understanding of every child of God that it's only in him, Christ, we live, we move, and we have our being. Amen? So you are considered a success in life as a child of God in the eyes of God only when you are doing his will and fulfilling his will. That's when you're considered a child. In the eyes of God, you are successful. Even if you're called to sweep, whatever it is that he has assigned you to do. Look at this Hannah that was in the temple, a virgin that lost the husband years back. But that lady remained faithful and saw you know, the, new, uh, the coming Messiah in the temple. And they, I was told that the, that the meaning of Hannah is a uh, grace. And Jesus came as the grace and truth to us. Amen? So we are to live our lives totally dependent upon Jesus Christ, who is the author and finisher of our faith. And he is the one that supplies the inner strength. It is important that you know in that his will for you, he still has to do it through you. For except the Lord builds, it's all in vain. Unless he builds, it's all in vain. And he builds using his word. His word is spirit. God is spirit. And they that connect with him must connect with him in spirit and in truth. The word of God is spirit. So that's why he builds via his word. And to the extent to which you renew your mind with the word of God is to the extent to which you're going to fulfill God's will for your life. So renewing your mind with the word of God is so key, is so paramount in the life of every child of God. That is the spiritual food that nourishes you. Because God wants fruits that are born by Jesus Christ. Let's look at Philippians 1, 9 to 11. Philippians 1, 9 to 11. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. I love this scripture, and it's, I have it in view every day. I read it every day. It's my one goal in life, to be difficult to offend, and at the same time, not to stand in anyone's way of being all that the Father has destined for their lives. This is my prayer every day. But I'm going to verse 11. Being was, let's read it together, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. God is looking for the fruit of righteousness that are based on Jesus Christ, not performance. And it can only come when you are focused on Christ and you allow him to keep infusing the inner strength. We must do away with selfishness and remember that we are his temple, that he is our life, and we keep on totally yielding to him, allowing him to lead this life through us. He will keep on giving us the strength. And that's why Paul said, I have strength to do all things. So whatever comes, you will successfully wait through it. 
because he is there in you. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is in you. And by the presence of the Spirit of God in you, you, you are able to manifest these uh, elements of the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, even in the face of opposition, even in the face of challenges. And that keeps you calm. And that keeps your health. You are not panicking because when you're panicking, when you're stressed, it aggravates your health and you don't want to get there. You have the spirit of self-control no matter what is happening. We read it that the, the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. But you have what it takes to checkmate that even in the face of uh, challenges. So we have victory in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And God the Father is working 24-7 to make sure that you excel because we are the fragrance of Christ. We are the ones that show the, showcase Jesus to the world. So that's why God is so interested in making sure that you are successful in life. And that's, these are the things that will help you to know that any challenge, any difficulty is not from the Father. Because he said it in that uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Now, thanks be to God who always, he didn't say sometimes, he said always, leads us in triumph in Christ. Amen. Not this scripture. Don't let anybody talk you out of it. That God, your Father, is working 24-7 for your success. Why? Because you are in Christ. So just keep on following his will. He will order your footsteps, remove obstacles in your way, will continue to work for your success. He has called you overcomer, more than conqueror, because he knows that although this challenge is there, the victory is your portion. Hallelujah. And in any case, remember, you are never alone, even in the face of those challenges. He said in Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, let your character or moral disposition be free from love of money, including greed, avarice, lust, and craving for earthly possessions, and be satisfied with your present circumstances and with what you have. For he, God himself, has said, let's read it together, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake, nor let you down. Relax my hold on you, assuredly not. And then verse 6 says, so we take comfort and I encourage and confidently and boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be seized with alarm. I will not fear or dread or be terrified. What can man do to me? Or what can whatever it is do to you? Hallelujah. And he said in 1 Peter chapter 3, 12 to 14, he said, For the eyes of the Lord are on who? Who are the righteous? Are you one of them? His eyes are on you. And his ears are open to their prayers. Hallelujah. Verse 13. And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? What is that good? Follow Jesus. But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you are what? You are blessed. 
And you do not, and do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. Because he, God, remember, he's in you. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is in you. And victory, your victory is guaranteed. All you have to do is walk within the confines of the word of God. Your victory is guaranteed. Amen? Jude 1.24 says, Now to him, let's read it together. Now to him who is able to do what? To keep you from stumbling. Hallelujah. And to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with what? With exceeding joy. He's excited about that. He's so delighted in doing that. Hallelujah. And he said, even till old age. Even to hair wise with age will I carry you. I have made and I will bear. Yes, I will carry and will save you. That's the promise of the Father. But you allow him to do all these things through you. Amen? He gave you his spirit so that you will know the things that have been freely given to you. So that you know when there is a, a red flag on the inside. That's why he said, let the peace of God be the umpire. You don't go that route. So his spirit guides you and directs you. And he said that you know all things since 1 John 2, 20. Because his spirit will keep on prompting you. And he said, as that spirit guides you, just follow it. Follow, follow the green light. When there is no peace, don't go that route. Because that's not my route. That's what he's telling us. Amen? You are good to go, child of God. You are called to excel in this life. You are never on your own. He's always there with you. So, there is a way out. What is that way out? Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him, there is no other. Jesus is the way. He's the answer. He's the way. The word of God is God. The word of God is Jesus. The Holy Spirit is Jesus. You have what it takes to come out of whatever trouble. I remember when we faced a, you know, difficulty of finances. It was because we were ignorant. But the moment we got born again, we got into the family of God. And my beloved husband laid hands on this scripture in Galatians 3.13. And we began to quote that, to meditate on that morning, night, morning, night, during our morning, night devotions. And we began to proclaim that over our lives. Resources showed up. Because God, Jesus, he said he became poor. That we through his poverty might be rich. But we didn't know these things. And he showed us, give and it shall be given. And we began to follow what his word said. And gradually, gradually, we came out of financial difficulty. God is faithful to his promise. The way out is Jesus. And Jesus is the word of God. Amen? That's why he said no temptation comes to you that you are not able to bear. That he will make the way out. He will show you the outlets out of it. So whenever challenges come, count it all joy. Because you know it's a matter of time. And that's why he said we should thank him in every situation. No matter what the circumstances might be, we should be thankful and say so. Why? Because we have our back covered because you are not fighting on your own. The battle has been won, but Jesus, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit is in you 
to manifest, to work out those glories, those victories that will make your life to be joyful. Amen? So, you know, uh, we read the scripture today, you know, James chapter 1 verse 2, I will highlight verse, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. He said, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. It does a lot of things to you. There are lots of things that we went through in life, but I thank God for all those opportunities because they are part of what helped me to be who I am in the Lord today. I don't have any regrets of any of them. And to him alone be all the glory. And nothing comes my way again that I, I can't face. Like David is saying, the bear came, this one came, I tore them to pieces. This same uncircumcised, this uncircumcised Philistine is going to be like one of them. That's how it is for me. It's going to be like one of them. You remember, you have your milestones. The father, the God who did this for me, who did this for me, who did it, will also take care of this one. It's a matter of time. Praise the Lord. So when you know this and you know that God is for you, not against you, no matter what comes, you endure it. You stand your ground. And surely, at the other end of the tunnel is light. Amen? So, and then he gave us an instruction in 1 Peter 5, 6 to 11. 1 Peter 5, 6 to 11 says, So, humble yourself under the mighty power of God. What does it mean to humble yourself? Submit to what the word of God said. Submit to what the word of God said. That's your job. And then he said, and at the right time, Times and seasons are in his hand. At the right time, he will lift you up in honor. That's what he promised. He will lift you up in honor. And he says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So, in other words, be sober, be vigilant. Don't just live anyhow. Don't. And don't just watch anything. Don't. Don't just go anywhere. Don't. Just simply follow the word and follow the green light, the promptings by the power of the Spirit of God. And he said that even when this enemy shows up, because he can't just devour anyone, it's somebody who is not alert, living by the word of God, fellowshipping, feeding on the word of God, meditating on the word of God. Why will God tell us that this book, you shouldn't depart from your mouth? Say, meditate during day and night. Because he knows that therein lies your success because that is his instruction to you. He say, man shall live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Why will he tell you that if it's not important? It's because it's important to your life, to your victory here. So he said, stand firm against him when the devil shows up and be strong in your faith. How will you stand strong in your faith if you're not feeding on the word? The word of God is a spiritual food that sustains you, that keeps you, that helps you. Amen? And uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24, it says there, the servant of the Lord must not participate in quarrels, but must be kind to everyone, even tempered, preserving peace. And he must be skilled in teaching, patient and tolerant when wronged. 
patient and tolerant when wronged. That's when you begin to manifest the fruit of the Spirit, love, peace, patience. If it calls for long-suffering, you, you throw that one in. You show that one because it's all in you. But your job is to pursue peace because you have the prince of peace in you. You have the prince of peace in you. And we are encouraged as children also and young adults and even we adults to honor our parents. Do not insult your parents like I see so many children doing today. The Bible said that it, that is the one, one promise that has, um, one instruction that has a promise attached to it. It doesn't matter whether you're young or old. The Bible said in Proverbs chapter 20, 20, if you insult your father or mother, your light will be snuffed out in total darkness. And you begin to wonder what is happening to me. That will not be our Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. He said, children, in Ephesians 6, 1 to 3, and 10, say, children, obey your parents in the Lord. That is, accept their guidance and discipline as his representatives. For this is right for obedience. Obedience teaches wisdom and self-discipline. They are the first God that you're seeing. They are the ones that will show you the way of the Lord. So in any case, they are your first gods. So that's why God said, obey them. And verse 2 says, honor, esteem, value as precious your father and your mother and be respectful to them. This is the first commandment with a promise so that it may be well with you and that you may have a long life on the earth. Do you want long life on the earth? And do you want things to work out fine for you? It's simple. This is God giving instruction. Obey your father and your mother. Esteem them. Prize them. Go out of your way. Buy gifts and give to them. Pray for your parents. Help them anywhere they need your help. Be there for them. You're chunking in blessings for your life. These are things people ignore, neglect, or maybe trivialize. But these are the things that attract a lot of good things for your life. And even when you honor the elderly, it's such a blessing. It is such a blessing. We're talking about the way out. Jesus is the way out. And the word of God is God. The word of God is Jesus. Amen? And run away from gossiping, grumbling, murmuring, <laughs> complaining. When you're complaining, murmuring, it's like you're saying, God is not good to me. He's not a good father. Look at what he allowed to do to me because he's my father. It's just like when a child says, I don't have a shoe, I don't have this, you know. They will say, what about your parents? Do they know? That's how they will ask. When you, you're complaining, murmuring, it's, you, you are just, it's, God takes it personal. It's you are complaining against him. And he showed us what happened to the children of Israel in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 8 to 11. He said, Now let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell. 
Some might say, well, I don't. But then when you watch certain things and it arouses your body, you are just already doing that. When you think it in your heart, like the Bible said, you're already doing that. He said, some of them did that. So now let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Nor complain, as some of them also complain, and were destroyed by the destroyer. He said, now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. So these things we are, this is New Testament. These things were documented for us to learn from them. So you don't say, well, we are in the time of grace. Yes, God loves you. In the eyes of God, you're pure, holy, righteous. But you have just on your own opened the door for the devourer that we are told in First Peter, he roams about seeking whom he may devour. And you'll be thinking it is God. Remember, God is not the author of evil. Neither does he tempt anyone with evil. It's not from God. It's you because you have gone out of the boundary and you are doing your own thing. I like the way uh, AMP put that verse 9. He said, we must not tempt the Lord, that is, test his patience, question his purpose, or exploit his goodness, as some of them did, and they were killed by serpents. That is, the serpent represents the devil. So it's important that we follow God's route. The way out is Jesus. God will never allow anything beyond you to come. The way out remains Jesus. God is not the author of any evil. He loves you. Just seek his will. Follow his will. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. Keep a merry heart and thank him in every situation, no matter what it is. You will always come out of it victoriously. Amen. Shall we all rise? I want us to begin to pray. Begin to pray. God is faithful. He is faithful. He's there for you. He loves you. And he want, it is his delight. He delights in the prosperity of the righteous. He delights in you flourishing. That gives him so much joy. It gives him so much joy. But let's cooperate with him. Ask God to make you who he wants you to be. Ask him to make you. Ask him to help you. He's there for your good. Ask him to make you. He's faithful and just.